Amen. All right, very good. Let's, uh, we'll be in Matthew again as we uh, are taking a few more Sundays to get through the uh, uh, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. We finished up with those. Uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about you are the salt of the world, <laughs> okay, the salt of the earth. Uh, today, we're going to look at you are the light of the world, something that that Jesus calls you and me, all truly born-again believers, you are the light of the world. Uh, it's been about three years now that, that uh, I made my second trip to Zimbabwe. And we had traveled uh, about 25 hours on a plane. Uh, we had jumped on a, in a vehicle and went about three hours on, on a, a road that you would not even probably call a road. But we finally arrived at our destination. Our destination was the uh, Beringua Orphanage Caring Center. And we finally arrived there, and it was about 9, 9.30 at night. And, of course, it's dark. The, uh, uh, if you've ever been to some of those places, uh, many times electricity never works. It'll work for a while, and it goes off for a while, and it works for a while. And that's what, when we got there late that night, uh, there was no, no electricity. It, it was off for a while. So here we are, we've just, we've just arrived, and it's dark, and, and the only light that you've got is some stars up here, and, which are very beautiful, but that's the only light that you've got. And, and we'd been a long day and a long two days traveling, and, and somebody wanted to know where the, where the restroom was, okay? And they said, well, it's, it's over there. What they didn't tell us was it's about 50 yards that away. In the dark, they forgot to tell us that it would be lined with tree limbs all over, the limbs that they would eventually use to, to build a fire for us. Uh, didn't even tell us about the big chug holes that from, from here to there. They, they forgot to give us that information. And they didn't tell us about the fence that we would have to get through eventually with a very small opening. But they said the bathroom is that way. So we took off without a flashlight. We took off without any light. And there we go. And yeah, we found, we found every tree limb that was down. We found every hole in the ground that was there. We eventually found the fence and the little gate that we were supposed to get there. And we finally made it to our destination without any kind of light. It was quite a trip, to say the least. Uh, one of the guys uh, that, that came with us, he, he came a little bit later behind us. And I think he probably saw our struggle as, uh, as he ended up going to his, his bag and, and getting a flashlight. So once he got there, we just kind of waited for him, and then we came back with, with the flashlight and the light. And did you know, coming back, because he had the light, was so much easier. We, did, we didn't hit any of the, the, the rocks and the, and the holes, and we found that fence, the, the gate and the fence, pretty easy. And it was all because we had a light. Light really helps when it's in the dark, is it not? Today's lesson in Matthew 5, starting in verse 14, 15, and 16. Let's just read that and kind of get that, get us primed for uh, what we'll be looking at today. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says about his children. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in 
the house. That makes sense. Verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. In 1 John 1, 5, we read these words. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. You bet. Colossians 1, 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. And who is that going to be? That is Jesus Christ. We know Jesus is God who came to earth in form of a human. Okay? He is the, invisible, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is light. And in the world, there is no darkness because of Him. He is the light. John 1, 4 and 5 says this, In Him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I mean, that is a verse about Jesus, is it not? He's shown His life. He is life of perfection. And yet the world does not want to comprehend it, does not want to meet up with him does not want to accept him 21 times in the in the writings of the apostle john he uses the word light and every time it means a absence of darkness light is jesus it is his very nature it is his very essence it is his character it is his total being and today we're going to look at a few things about Jesus the light. And that's kind of going to be, kind of be where we're going a little bit. And then we'll talk about what it means to you and I to be the light of the world. Jesus the light, first of all, tells us that he is holy, righteous, and pure. Jesus the light tells us that he is holy and righteous and pure. In the Bible, darkness represents sin. Okay? And, and light does away with darkness. And the Bible will tell us that Jesus is pure and he's holy and he is righteous and he is perfect, if you would. It's a symbol of purity and holiness when we look at Jesus the light as he tells us how good he really is, how perfect he is. And I go back to that, first, that verse, 1 John 1, 5, where it says that God is light. And in him there is no darkness. You see, Jesus being the light, he is telling us up front that I am God in human form and I'm walking on this earth and I am pure and I'm holy and I am righteous. The second thing we can see pull from these verses is Jesus the light reveals the truth about this world. He reveal, reveals the truth about this world because this old world that we live in right now, we talked about it last week. It is that culture, it is that philosophy, it is that doctrine that says we don't need God in our life. We don't need Him messing around in the way I'm living. We don't need a God who says you need to do this, this, and this, and you know God's got all these rules and regulations, everybody will say, and we don't need it. And we now are living, are we not, in a world that says we don't need God in it. And we talked about that last week. Take God out of everything that we ever know. Jesus, the light, reveals the truth to the world. He also reveals the truth to mankind. Man is a sinner, is he not? Man is one who has chosen to walk away from God. 
The Bible says in Romans 3, 10, and 11, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Jesus the light reveals to mankind their, their situation in life, if you would. And because he is holy and righteous and perfect, and we try to measure up to his, his perfection, we can't do it because of, our, because of our sin. The truth that Jesus speaks is we are all sinners in need of a Savior. The light of Jesus reveals also uh, uh, to, to the greatness of God, if you would. You see, you see, God loves you and I, does he not? He loves you and I so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross so that you and I will have the opportunity to live with Jesus forever and forever if we would just accept him. That's all we have to do is just accept him. Not rocket sciences. Lila just accepted him as Lord and Savior. And many of us in here too. But see, Jesus, the light, reveals that to us. He reveals our need. He reveals that God loves us. He reveals that this is the solution to our sin problem. And he speaks truth because he is the light. In, in John 14, 6, he makes this statement, okay? And it is the truth. You can write it down, take it to the bank, put it in cement. It is absolute truth. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, the world will tell you and I that there are many, 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 many ways to get to heaven, to get to God. I've heard some people say there's over 10,000 different ways that we can do to get to God. And Jesus, the light, reveals the truth of that, and he says, I am the way. Many people will say, well, there's lots of religions out there, and there's lots of men that are leading out in religions, if you would. And many of them say, I'm just going to follow him or him or him and him, and I'll be able to get to heaven. I'll just follow that doctrine. I'll follow some preacher some guy that's big on TV, I'll follow him. And Jesus says, what? I'm the way, I am the truth. There is no other truth to get to heaven but by Jesus Christ. The world tells you differently, but I'm telling you today, there's only one way. There's only one way, and there's only one truth, and there's only one life to Jesus. You see, the world will say, well, a, a holy and a loving God would Never send anybody to hell. And did you know, did you know I have to agree with them? That's a true statement. Did you know that? That is a true statement. Because you see, God doesn't send anybody to hell. It is a choice that you and I make in our lives. He says, if you want, if you want to live in heaven for eternity, if you want to be one of my disciples, if you want to follow after me, then ask Jesus into your heart. And I'll give you eternal life. But if you choose to reject Christ, if you don't want to have anything to do with him on this old earth, God's a gentleman. And God will say, if you don't want anything to do with me, that is fine. Uh, you won't have anything to do with me for an eternity. God doesn't put anybody there. You put yourself there because you choose the direction you want, you want to go.
You see, God, Jesus, the light, reveals the truth about our salvation. That's just who Jesus is. He reveals the light to the world. He reveals light to mankind. And he reveals how good God is to all of us. Jesus, the light, guides mankind out of darkness. Did you know that? See, darkness would represent is sin. And for every person who is an unbeliever, has never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are living in darkness. And Jesus, the light, will guide us from that darkness. When we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says he, he took us out of a dark, sinful world, and he's put us on the path of his light. We have the assurance of salvation when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We have assurance of eternal life when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. See, His, His light guides us from this old dark, sinful world being, being uh, under the curse, if you would. By accepting Him, we move from that old dark world and we move into the light of Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus guides us out of darkness into His own very light? John 12, 46 says it this way. I have come as light unto the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. That's why Jesus came. So anyone that's in the darkness, have you never, he said, I, I've got some light for you. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live a sinful life. You don't have to live under the curse because Jesus said, I came to get you out of darkness and into the light. I don't know about the light of Jesus, man. That's pretty good stuff. The light, Jesus, the light gives us an abundant life to all his believers. Gives us an abundant life for all his believers. John 10.10 says it this way. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life, a life more abundant. Who would not want a life more abundant. So you say, Don, well, man, if I just do that, if I accept Christ as my Savior, man, I, is, that, is that verse saying that he will give me, he will make me rich? That he will give me every, every desire that I have? Will he just satisfy everything? Will I be driving the biggest car and the shiniest car and the biggest house and, and my kids will be super and man, I'll just have this abundant life. I won't have a care in the world. Is that what it's saying? No, I don't think so. Do you? I don't think so. The light of Jesus gives us an abundant life, but that's not an abundant life. Because everything that we get from there will either rot, rust, or wear out. Okay? Well, what is that abundant life that, he's, that he talks about, that he, that he says, I will come to give you life and have it abundantly? What's he talking about? Well, here's a couple of things I think he's talking about. He said, when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, guess who we get? We get the Holy Spirit living within us. And did you know the Holy Spirit is God himself? In spirit form, who lives within us. If, if you have been born again, truly born again, you will have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He is the down payment, the Bible says, for, for us now, to, as kind of our down payment to hold our property until we get to heaven. That is the Holy Spirit. We were, we, once we've been saved, we have the promises of God's Word. What an abundant life that gives to us. Knowing that if we, we read God's word and he said, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to bless you. This is what, this is the direction in life I want you to take. 
and I will give you wisdom if you'll just ask me for it, he says in Proverbs. Just ask, and I'll give it to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. To, to have awesome respect for holy God. And he says, I will do this for you because this word right here, every word in this book is true. If there's a word that's not true, if there's a philosophy that is not true, then the whole thing is bad. But the whole thing ain't bad. The whole thing is perfect. It is God's word to us. It is for all kinds of things in our life. Man, what a, what a blessing he's given to us just because we get to read his word and to stand on his promises. I mean, when we got to say we had the assurance of salvation, do we not? And that salvation is the assurance of eternal life. Do you get that? <laughs> when we got saved, he said, I'm going to give you eternal life from now forever, times forever, times forever. Now, I don't know about you, but that ought to be something you get excited about. Because the other option is not very good. We have an assurance. We can know for a fact, Lila, that I have been born again. And because I have been born again, I have a home in heaven that he has gone to prepare for you and for me. John 14, 1, 2, 3, and 4. He said, I got a home for you. And when I'm going to make his home for you, he says what? I'm going to come again. To come get you because he said, Jesus said, I want you to be where I am going to be. That is a promise. That is an assurance because we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. We have the assurance of knowing that every time we pray, every time we hit our knees to pray or stand up or sit on our head or whatever, however we want to pray, that we can go boldly and with confidence to the throne room of grace, the Bible says where we can receive mercy and we can receive grace for a time that we need it. His throne room is never closed. It is open 24-7. Anytime, anywhere that you have got to petition holy God, guess what? He never stiff arms you and says, well, I'm busy right now, Don. Ain't got time, but come back a little bit later. God never does that, does he? He never does it. His, his throne room is always open, wanting you and me to communicate with him. He loves that. He longs for that. He said, man, just bring it to me. Cast your burdens on me, and I'll take care of it. What an assurance. You know, see, that's, that's kind of an abundant life right there, just having that, knowing that, that we can go to the Father anytime. We have great assurance knowing that we have the promise that we can have peace in this life. That surpasses all understanding. That's a pretty good fringe benefit, isn't it? That we can have peace in whatever situation that we're in. The good, the bad, or the ugly. The Bible says he promises peace. Jesus said, I give you peace. Not not the kind of peace that the world gives. I'll give you a different kind of peace. The Bible says, I'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. That you won't even understand where this peace comes from. I don't know about you, but that's part of an abundant life, is it not? Knowing that when, whatever stresses that come into my life, every heartache that comes into my life, that God says, I have peace for you. You won't understand it. You might not even be able to comprehend it. It's going to surpass anything that you've ever been. But he says what I promise you. If you are one of my children, I give you peace. 
When you got saved, you got saved, guess what happened to your sins? Forgiven. Past, present, and the future. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. They are as white as snow. God doesn't see them anymore. I don't know about you, but that is an abundant life when you can say without a shadow of a doubt, my sins are forgiven. It can't get any better than that. And then Jesus said one other thing that I just want to bring up right now, and then we'll just move on. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, well, I got some of you. Okay, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm here to tell you, that is, that is the greatest thing that can happen to you. The greatest. And that's not Don speaking, okay? That's not Don saying that. That's Jesus saying that. You see, if you remember the story that he had sent out the disciples to go do their thing, do, do their missionary work. And he sent them out, and, and after a couple of weeks, they came back, and they go, man, Jesus, man, we were casting out demons from these folks. We were performing miracles. People were getting healed. The blind could see, and the, and the lame could walk, and the lepers were no longer white, but they had some color about their skin. He said, wow, Jesus, look what's, what we've been doing. We've been doing all this for you, God. And we are so excited, Jesus. Jesus, we are so excited. Thank you for blessing us with that. And they just went on and on about these great miracles. If you remember the story, Jesus wasn't all that impressed. He wasn't all that impressed. Good boys, that's what I told you to do. But he said the greatest thing that you've got to remember, it's not miracles, it's not casting out demons, it's not doing great deeds for everybody. He said the greatest thing that will ever happen to your life is to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That is the greatest thing in the history of greatest things, to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Because you see, one day, that book is going to be open, the Lamb's book of life. And they're going to be looking down that row. He's going to be looking down there and go, Don Lacey, Donald Stephen Lacey. Yep, there it is. Come into my heaven. Brian Newman. There he is. If he looks down that book, the Lamb's Book of Life, and your name is not in it, it hasn't been written in permanent ink and hadn't been erased, I can promise you. If your name is not there, the Bible said, depart from me, I never knew you. And you'll be separated from holy God forever and forever in a place known as the fire and brimstone of this whole world. You see, you see, the abundant life has nothing to do with your house and your car and your barns and your land and all that kind of stuff. The abundant life says, have you been born again? Have you been saved? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? And when you have done that, I'm telling you, you have the abundant life. And it's all because that Jesus is the light, (laughs) okay? Jesus is the light who gives the abundant life to all of his people.
Jesus' life warns against dangers that will be coming up in our lifetime. Did you know that? Jesus the light warns us about what be, might be around the corner. Physical dangers, yes, that's a possibility. We read in Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and He will make your paths straight. Okay? He will make your paths successful. Okay? But you've got to do the first part. <laughs> you've got to trust in the Lord. Okay, you've got to trust in the Lord. And by trusting in the Lord, you are going to miss out on many of the pitfalls that's going to happen in your life. You're going to miss out on all those tree limbs that are in the dark. You're going to miss out on those holes in the ground as you're walking through there because you're trusting in God. You're going to miss out on that fence that said you can't get through there anymore because you trust in the Lord. And when you trust in the Lord, the Bible says, I will make your path straight. I will make your path successful. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to destruction, leads to death. There's a way that seems right unto man. And see, you can kind of put those two verses together. Trust in the Lord, I'll make you pass straight. Okay? I don't trust in the Lord, I'm going to do my own thing, make my own decisions. I'm a man, I'm going to do what I want to do, no matter what. I'm going to take the, the path that I want to do. And the Bible says when we leave out God in our lives, when we leave out finding His will and His wisdom, He said it might seem right, but the Bible said it's not right. Because without God, it's going to lead to death, the Bible says, and destruction. We think we know, we think we're big enough to, to miss all the pitfalls in life and all the rocks and the stumbles of life. But you're not going to do it unless you depend on God. I believe he also warns us spiritually. Probably more important than the physical part, did you know it? I believe Jesus the light warns us about our spiritual condition. You remember the story in John 3 that Nicodemus came to visit Jesus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee and he was the, probably the smartest guy of, of the Old Testament. He knew his Bible. He knew it frontward, backwards, and sideways. And he comes to Jesus at night because he had been hearing about this guy named Jesus and he wanted to visit with him. And he comes and said, oh man, Jesus, Jesus, said, you are something else. You are the top of the food chain. You are so smart. All your miracles, man, you are, you are the upper crust of life. And if you remember in John 3, 3 and even John 3, 7, Jesus answers him. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't pay any attention to what Nicodemus says. But all he says is, Nicodemus, buddy, one must be born again if they want to see the kingdom of God. You must repent. You must be born again, Nicodemus. You can be the smartest and the biggest and the baddest. But Jesus said, you got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to be in heaven. Luke 13, 3 says this. And I tell you, but unless you repent, unless you repent, you will perish just like all the rest of them. You must be born again. You must repent of your sins. See, Jesus is, is warning us about this, is he not? John 3, 18 says, He who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged. See, there's no condemnation for the Christian, the Bible says. 
He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, this is not my words. I'm reading straight from God's Word. You are judged. John 3.36, if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says in 3.36, he says, the wrath of God is upon you. That's not my words. That's his word. Look them up. John 3.36. You don't want that. Jesus is warning because he is the light. He is warning us. There's physical dangers out there that I'll help you deal with. He says, there are spiritual dangers out there that I want to help you deal with if you would just let me. John 8, 24 says this, Therefore I said to you, I say to you that you will die in your sins for, uh, for unless you believe that I am He. I am He. I am the Son of God. I am the Redeemer of the world. I am the forgiver of all sins. He says, unless you believe that I am He, unless you believe I'm Savior, okay, you will die in your sins. Read it. That's not my words. That's his words. And if you die in your sins, that's for a long, long time. That's for an eternity. You don't want that. Jesus said, I will warn you, physical dangers can come into this world. I understand. I'm going to help you with them. And he says, I'm going to warn you about the spiritual danger that every person in this, on the face of the earth has. That they are a sinner in need of Savior. And that you, we, me, everybody in this room must have one point in our life been born again by repenting of our sin. Jesus, the light, protects us from the dangers of the darkness. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert, folks. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may destroy. Jesus, the light, will protect us from that roaring lion. John 10, 10, The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You might not believe this, but every person who is a believer is in spiritual battle against the enemy. Spiritual battle. Because, see, he wants to do everything he can to ruin your life. He wants to do everything he can to take away your abundant life. Satan is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. He is the great uh, uh, one who approaches <coughs> excuse me, the throne room of God. And he will tell God, you are no good. 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 See, he's the great accuser of the brethren. And Jesus said, yeah, yes, because they're mine. That's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. But yet he accuses us, and he goes to the courtroom of God and says, these are awful people. And Jesus, the light, he can protect us from that kind of a danger, that spiritual danger. James 4, 7 gives us a clue on how, to, how Jesus will protect us from these dangers. James 4, 7 says what? Simple strategy. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't get those backwards. Don't get the, that order jumbled up. The order is draw near to God first and foremost. Resist the devil. Resist the temptation. Resist what he's throwing at you. And when we submit to God, we resist him. Bible says he got to go. He cannot stick around here any longer. He got to go. And Jesus pushes him out the door. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says anytime you're tempted to sin, anytime you are pulled away from your belief that God is holy and you want to go a different direction, 
in that verse, what does it say? He says, I will give you an escape. And every time I read that verse, I just keep thinking, uh, he's going to give you a back door to get out of any situation that you're in. See, that's a promise from God. I will, I will make a way for you to escape. I will provide a back door when you are tempted beyond what you think you can deal with. God said, I, I, I'm just gonna, I'll give you an out. I'll make sure you have an out. That's a promise from God. See, he protects us from the dangers of the darkness. But the greatest protection, I believe, is in John 10, 29. Another one of these great protections uh, that, that come about from the dangers of sin. And this one ought to pump your chili also. John 20, 10, 29 says, My Father, who has given them to me, that's Christians, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. What's he saying there? <laughs> you get what he's saying there? You have been born again, and there is nobody, no nothing. The enemy cannot ever take that away from you. You are eternally secure if you've been truly born again. I think that's the greatest protection of all. Because I can tell you, your enemy wants to pull you down. Your enemy wants to shut your light off. He wants to make your light dim. He doesn't want you doing what God's called you to do. And he'll do everything in his power to do it. And yet he'll do everything to keep you out of heaven. Did you know it? But John 10, 29 says, that ain't going to happen. Because my father's hands are so strong that nobody can snatch you from them. You are eternally secure. Thank you, Brian. That is an awfully big deal that no one can snatch you out. Nothing can ever separate a Christian from the love of God. Jesus is light. He does a lot of things for us that we've talked about today. Well, how does all that relate to us? How does that relate to us? And I want to get back to those verses. If you still got your Bible open, I want to read those again. And we're just going to pull out a few other things. But see, when I got to looking at this message, it, when it's talking about light, different characteristics of light and what they do, it just dawned on me. That's just Jesus. That's what Jesus does. Okay? I mean, he, he tells us and he reveals and he guides us and he protects us and he warns us about life about the pitfalls of life. That's Jesus. And the light that Jesus shines on us, oh my goodness, that's it. So how, 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 what do these verses mean to you and I? You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill, cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on, put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are those in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are, believer, the light of the world. I didn't say that. Jesus said that, which gives it a little more authority than me. Okay? I like it when he says, and I just have to repeat it. Okay? You are the light of the world. You see, Jesus no longer is in bodily form here, is he? He's not bodily walking on this, on this earth. So who is going to be the light in a dark world? Yep. It is you and me as his children he says I, I, it was, I was the light but I'm no longer walking on this earth you now will carry the torch to bear light to the world that you come in contact with we are to reflect Jesus' light to this dark world 
You see, the sun, <laughs> the sun, S-U-N, generates light. Did you know that? Surely you know that. You know, third grade, third grade science, I think. I think I passed that. The sun generates light, S-U-N. And the moon, moon doesn't generate light. Did you know this? You might not know this. The moon reflects the light of the sun, S-U-N. Okay? I hope there's no science teachers in here. Okay, good. Okay. Sun, light, moon, bang, reflects down, lights the earth, okay? In the same way it is with the believer, did you know that? You see, the sun, S-O-N, generates the light. And we, as his children, reflect the light of the S-O-N to this old world because he is the one who gives us the light, S-O-N. You see, we are called responsible for shedding light on the dark world. Just like the sun and the moon reflect it, we are to reflect his light here on this earth. And if we don't reflect it, who's going to do it? Who's going to reflect the light? You are Christians. You are the light of the world. Just real quick, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to be done. How are we to share the light? How are we to reflect Jesus' light? He gives us three places in those words that we are to reflect uh, the light of Jesus. He says, first of all, in the light, we are to reflect the light in the world around us. See, that's what it says in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Well, how do you do that? Well, you can become a missionary if you want to. Okay, a lot of good missionaries out there. You can be like me and go to different places and come back after a week or so. I mean, that's, that's kind of missionary work. That's shedding the light around the world. You can give to the uh, uh, offerings that we collect for missionary kind of stuff. Edna McMillan, uh, Oklahoma, uh, 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 something, <laughs> I can't lost it, something for America and then Lottie Moon for around the world. We can give that. that is, it is your way of promoting the light around the world. You can also pray for people around the world. You can pray for churches around the world. Man, if you, want, if you need a name, somebody you can pray for in another country, I got plenty of them for you. I got names of churches. I got plenty of them for you. You see, we are to reflect the light around the world. And if we can't go, there's a lot of things we can do. The Bible says also we are to reflect the light of Jesus where we live. Where we live. Verse 14 again. Okay? Well, how do we do that? How do we do that right here? Well, I think the biggest thing that we can do is we live our faith out at work, at school, in our community. We just live our faith out. I mean, we have been born again. We just live it out and let other people know that, hey, you're it. I think you can faithfully attend church. I think you can pull out of that driveway every Sunday morning and your neighbor can see you going. Hmm, you know what he's up to on Sunday morning? Might open the door. Have you faithfully attend church? You can pray for people in your community, in Arapahoe, in Clinton, and around these areas. Custer City, you can begin to pray. And then you can be a part of the local activities where, where your light shines amongst all everybody else in a community. See, we are called to shed the light in the city where we live. We also, in verse 16, 15, I mean, it says we are to shed the light in our homes. We are to faithfully share the light where we live. And I've told you that before, and I'll keep telling you again. Mom, dad, grandparents, don't be afraid to let your kids and kiddos and grandkids see you reading God's Word. 
Don't let them be afraid to hear you pray. Don't be afraid to take them to church. Let them come. Don't be afraid to live out a godly legacy. To pass down to those kids and that generation below you. That God is good. That Jesus died for you. And if you want eternal life, you've got to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. See, we can be a, a, a light in our own home. You see, we need to be the same person Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday Friday and Saturday as we are on Sunday morning at 10.50 to 12 o'clock or 12.30 or whatever I get done. You see, we've got to be the same person. We shed the light in our home. Don't hide from the love of Christ. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed that you are a believer. Live your faith. Speak your faith. Depend upon God for all of your needs. Go to Him, whatever you might need. And in 16, the last verse, it says, Let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. So many times as Christians we do this. And I'm guilty as everybody. We come to church. We kind of isolate ourselves here. We're kind of secluded here. And we, you know, we shake hands and smile and speak and all that's good stuff. All that's good stuff. And you think, you know, I'm sharing the light of Jesus right there in church. And I want you to do that. that that's a good thing. We have fellowship here. You're talking even hardly get you quiet to start the service. That is super tremendous. I love that. And we are shedding the light here in this building. But the problem with that is, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a good thing. The problem is people that have the light don't need the light. The people that are Christians don't need the light shining on other Christians all the time. You see, the light must be shown for those that are in darkness. The light must be shown to people that are living in sin. The light's got to be shown to people that's never accepted Christ. That's what he says, let your light shine before men. That's who he's talking about. That as Christians, we shine our light of the gospel to people that are in darkness. That's who he's talking about. Keep doing what you're doing here. Don't stop. I don't want everyone to stop. But you got to understand that our light goes to people in darkness, not to people that have the light. That is a very important thing. And why do we shine the light? One last thing, and I'm going to be quiet. Why do we shine the light? Why did Jesus say you're the light of the world? The last part of verse 16. In such a way that they may see your good works. That's shining your light. They'll see your good works. Wow. You're forgiving him? You love him? Really? How do you do that? How do you have love and joy and peace, patience, and kindness amongst all the stuff that's going on in your life? How do you do that? I got the light of Jesus living in me. And when we act like that and we behave like that and we react like that and we speak like Christ, it says, what does it say? He says, so that they may see your good works. And if people see your good works, they see how you're living, that you live differently, that you're adding a little salt, a little flavor, <laughs> a little preservative, a little light. Jesus said, if you'll just do that, he said, other people will begin to notice and they will give glory to God. 
they will begin to give glory to God. People in darkness, when they see how you're living, they'll begin to glorify God. That's what the Word says right there in verse 16. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the question is, how bright is your light? Okay, how bright is your light? Jesus said you have light. Sometimes lights are brighter than others. Sometimes they're very dim. And the question is, how bright is your light? You know, last week we talked about salt, being salt of the earth, where our lives had to be different. We had to live a different lifestyle than the rest of the world. And how we add flavor to this world by, by just having the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And how we are to preserve the gospel by passing it down. See, he really challenges us here, I think, in verses 13 through 16. Christians, believers, my disciples, you are salt of, the, of this old earth. And you are light of the world. And I challenge everyone in this room to be a little more saltier and have your light shine a little brighter to, the, to a dark world that needs both of those things. And Jesus said, you're my disciple? Okay. Here it is. Be salt, be light. That's who you are. You know, he could have called you. You know, somebody calls you a loser or a, or a scum, that kind of stuff, and you hear that long enough, you might start believing it. But see, Jesus didn't do that, did he? He didn't call you a sinner. He didn't call you a bad person. He didn't call you anything. He said, you are salt and you're light in a very dark world. Light is very important. Without the light of Jesus in your life, you will stumble. You will trip over holes in this whole world. You will walk into fences and can't find the gate. But with the light of Jesus, your life's going to be so much more easier, so much more blessed. As we begin our invitation time, that's the challenge to you today. How much light are you giving out into your world? Are you a bright light? Or are you a dull beam that nobody can even see? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I think, I think he wants us to be a bright light. Don't have a dead battery. (laughs) As we bow our heads and close our eyes. That's the message. How bright is your light? Let God speak to you today. If you've never been born again, you can be like Lila today and you can accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Spend eternity with Him. If you're born again, believe and your light's not very bright. Let's get your light. Let's pick up the brightness of your light. Pick up the, pick up the pace. Pick up the volume. Pick up a little more power in your life.